I must work all the time to be successful. If I don't work this much, I will be a failure or I'm not worthy. Whatever these beliefs are, you have to recognize them and begin to challenge them and really separate your worth as a human being from your work or your career and how successful you are. Welcome to the Thoughts from the Couch podcast. I'm anxiety treatment expert and licensed mental health counselor, Justine Carino. I'm here to help you understand the root of your anxiety so you can create new habits that actually stick. Toxic behavior patterns, dysfunctional relationships, and childhood family trauma are all linked to the anxiety you experience. And that's exactly what we dive into on this podcast. Join me as I guide you through flipping the script on your negative thoughts, setting healthy boundaries in your relationships, and cultivating a self-care practice that's as unique as you are. From my couch to yours, let's create your path to peace. Hello, my lovely listeners. Welcome to another episode from the Thoughts from the Couch podcast. I am your host, psychotherapist, and mom of two, Justine Carino. Today is going to be a solo episode. Just you and me and a good conversation on being a workaholic. So if you click this, you're like, maybe I'm a workaholic. Maybe I need to learn a little bit about it. So thank you for tuning in because there is such a thing as being a workaholic feeling this need to work all the time, because if you don't, you're afraid something bad is going to happen. So we're going to talk a little bit about how we defined workaholism, what drives workaholism, and what you could do to start and manage this. If you're a mom listening, it's really a conflict of interest to be wanting to work all the time but also be present with your family and your children. And I actually have a lot of clients that bring this up in our sessions. And they say, I am just so ambitious with my career. And I have so many plans for my career. But I have so much guilt because I am putting my career in front of my family. Now listen, it is not easy to juggle being a working parent and having your own life and your own needs and also your relationships needs and your parenting needs. It's just so much to juggle all the time. It is not easy. And the key is you can't do everything at once. You know, you have to do one thing at a time. If you're at work, be working. If you're at home, be home. Sometimes the two are are going to overlap, right? Think back to the days of the pandemic and the shutdown. But for the most part, you can start to learn strategies to try and find more of a balance with this juggle. And that's something I do. You know, I coach a lot of women that are struggling with feeling like they don't have a work-life balance. They're not present. They're anxious. They're frustrated. They need support. Maybe they're a new mom. They don't know how to handle this transition. I love doing that work. But there are some takeaways that you as a listener can have today. So, First of all, let me talk about myself for a little bit. I love working. I absolutely love it. I feel so fulfilled from working. It makes me feel good inside. I like to keep busy. I like to have goals. 
and I have the best job in the world, so who wouldn't want to work if you were me, right? Um, But this started a long time ago. I was probably about 15, 14, 15 when I had my first job ever. And that was an expectation growing up. My brother had a job when he entered high school. I got a job at one point and I started sweeping floors at a local day spa. It was like a hair salon and spa. And I was the girl cleaning on Saturdays. (laughs) Um, And then I moved myself up a little bit to be a receptionist and I got to answer the phones. So I started from the bottom and moved my way to the front desk. Um, And then from then on out, I always worked in the food service industry. I was a server from probably my senior year of high school all through college. Um, So I worked while I was in college. I also worked at Abercrombie & Fitch at their store in college. I worked at the Olive Garden for like four to five years through college and after. Um, While I was in graduate school, I was a server at a local bar for a little bit. And then there was a point in life where I was doing way too much, but I could pull it off because I was a single girl in my 20s, right? So I was in graduate school to become a licensed mental health counselor. I was working at the bar on like Friday, Saturday nights. Um, But then I also started teaching dance because I'm a former dancer and I became a local dance teacher. And so I was in classes. I was also working at the local bar, serving as a waitress. I was teaching dance. And then at one point, some of that shifted to I stopped being a waitress and worked at a local psychiatric facility where I was a mental health worker helping the nurses at an inpatient um, psychiatric hospital. So I was in class in graduate school. I was working at the psychiatric hospital to have an income. I also started interning at another psychiatric hospital. So there were times I remember saying to my boyfriend, who's now my, my husband, like, wow, I haven't had a day off in probably like 35 days. One day is class, the next is my internship, and the next is my job. So I know how to hustle and get it done. And if you're listening, you probably do too. But obviously, you can't sustain that. You burn yourself out. And as I shifted into new periods of my life, I was able to do less, right? So once I graduated and I was a licensed therapist, I had my full-time job. But even then, I still kept on this habit of, okay, I'm going to work full-time in the industry in a psychiatric hospital, but I'm also still going to teach dance because I love dance. But then I'm also going to take postgraduate training courses in family therapy on Monday nights in Manhattan, right? I knew how to fill up my time and my schedule. And what was that about? Well, I was uncomfortable with downtime. I didn't know what to do with myself. Having nothing to do would scare the shit out of me. And maybe it's because there were things going on in my life that were hard to deal with. You know, at one point, my parents' marriage started to fall apart. My dad was an active alcoholic and addict. There's a lot going on. So maybe if I was still, I didn't want to think about all that stuff. So it was just easier to work because I was good at what I did. I felt so fulfilled. I got a lot of self-esteem from being a good therapist, not to toot my own horn, but I thought I was good at what I was doing and I was a good dance teacher. So I had a lot of positive reinforcement from these roles in my life. Why slow down? Why do nothing? Right now, 
I carried on that way. I got married. I worked full-time at a local family counseling agency. Then I started seeing clients at night there. So I was probably working like 50, 60 hours a week before kids. And then I decide to become a mom. And I realize I can no longer work that much if I want to spend the amount of time that I want to spend with my baby. So there came a point where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to finally take this leap of faith. I've always wanted to have my own private practice. And I was like, now's the time to do it. So when my son was 10 months old, I was like, I'm going to go part-time at my job and slowly build a part-time practice. And I was so blessed. Within six months, I left the part-time position and went full-time on my own And this is where so much has changed for me. You know, I have full control of my schedule and now I'm working probably about 30 hours a week. I try to keep it at that, sometimes a little bit more. Um, But this seems to be the balance that I need right now as a mom of two. But even when I became my own boss with my own hours and my own schedule and I can schedule clients whenever I wanted to, I still clung to the workaholism. I still had this need to try and please every client that called, right? Make myself available at any time of the day. My schedule was kind of all over the place. I was really working a lot of evenings because I saw a lot of teenagers at the time. And it was fine because my son was little and I had the mornings with him and the, the afternoons before I went in. But the older he got, the more I realized that schedule wasn't working and I'd have to change and then forget about it. When I had two, I really needed to shift so many things. Now I only work one evening a week. The rest are daytimes. But but that being said, I still had these ingrained habits of feeling like I needed to be working all the time. And a lot of it is drive and loving what I do and wanting to be present and build this practice. But I think the other was this habit that is a result of a belief that like I need to be doing all the time. I'm not worthy if I'm not working and not being okay with stillness and slowing down and just being um, at home sometimes. Like there are times where I didn't know what to do with myself and my son, right? I was like, okay, you're one, you're a maniac running all over the place. You, you can't talk yet. Like, I don't know. To, I'm, I'm not good at this. There are times I didn't feel good at being a mom, but I felt better as a therapist There's so many things I can unpack about myself, but the point is your life may force you to change. I got away with being a compulsive worker in my teen years and through my 20s, but I could no longer sustain that lifestyle when I became a mother because I loved being a mother and I really wanted to be present as a mother. And so I was forced to make changes that were extremely uncomfortable you know, working 30 hours a week was so uncomfortable when I first started because I was used to working double that, right? So I had to really get out of my comfort zone and learn that everything's going to be okay working less and learning to work more efficiently, right? Like we can really drag out what we're doing all day long. I could work 60 hours if I wanted to, and I would just probably be producing the same outcome that I do in 30 hours. Like when I'm at work, I'm in the zone and I'm just cranking out what I need to do. I'm laser focused. 
right? And I think part of that is because I'm self-employed. I know that like I control the outcome of things. So if I'm at work at my office, I am working. I learned how to work more efficiently and I really um, challenged beliefs that you need to work so much to feel successful or productive, right? So I had to work through a lot and I want you as a listener to realize it's going to be uncomfortable if you start making changes in your work life, but you can do it. I've done it and I've seen so many of my clients and helped so many of my clients work through this. Hey there, listener. I'm really excited because my online mini course for anxiety management is doing what I wanted it to do. It is helping people learn simple ways to manage their anxiety. I'm going to read you a testimonial from one of my participants, Maria Lopez, the host of the podcast, Mothering Anxiety. Maria says, as someone who has been dealing with anxiety almost all of her life, I have always looked for ways to help me manage my anxiety. Going to therapy wasn't something that I enjoyed doing, but I knew I needed more help from an actual therapist than what I could find on the internet. This course by Justine is amazing. I love that she gives many different and honestly doable options to help manage your anxiety on a daily basis. She gives lots of great information that doesn't go way over your head. It's easy to follow, easy to understand, and I use her tips quite frequently when I need my anxiety to kick butt. For anyone looking for anxiety relief and needs an extra push on how to do it, this course is for you. Thank you, Maria. I am so happy that this was useful for you. And anyone out there listening, if you want more information on this course and if it's a match for you, check my show notes and click Path to Peace. So let's back up a little bit. You know, let's define a workaholic. What is a workaholic? So there's no official diagnosis for workaholism in the DSM, which is like our Bible of mental disorders, right? But there are, there's some assessments that we can use to help you, you know, kind of give insight that you're struggling with being a workaholic. So There is the Bergen Work Addiction Scale that I use with clients that are trying to define, you know, and give themselves this label. And I'm going to read you some of these questions. So here are seven questions you can ask yourself. And one is never, two is rarely, three is sometimes, four is often, and five is always. So as I ask you this question, I want you to think of your response. Never, rarely, sometimes, often, and always. So how often during the last year have you thought of how you could free up more time so you can work? Mm-hmm. These are fun questions. Two, how often during the last year have you spent much more time working than initially intended? So you find your, you keep saying, I'm only going to work this many hours a week. And then you go over that. You know, you keep moving your boundary. You try to set the boundary. Oh, these are my work hours, nine to five. But before you know it, you're working nine to seven, right? So how often have you done that? Three, how often during the last year have you worked in order to reduce feelings of guilt, anxiety, helplessness, and depression? So has work served as a way to manage your emotions, You may not have insight to this. If we work together, I will help you identify this. But 
sometimes work is just a coping mechanism for emotions. Kind of like I said about in my 20s when my parents were divorcing and my dad was full throttle with his addiction. Like being at work was a way to cope with all those feelings at the time. And kind of like I mentioned also, if you're a new mom listening and for some reason you're labeling yourself as a bad mom or you don't think you're a good enough mother but you feel great at work, you're working to manage those feelings of helplessness as a mother, right? Okay, four, how often during the past year have you been told by others to cut down on work without listening to them? I also want to interrupt here. You could be a workaholic and not be working all of the time, just like you can be an alcoholic and not be drinking all the time because the amount of preoccupation that you have with work is what we're talking about here too, right? So you could be an alcoholic and drink once a week, but the other six days of the week, you are completely preoccupied with wanting to drink, trying to manage your urges about drinking, knowing you shouldn't be drinking and you have this internal battle all all day long, right? And then you hit that seventh day and you binge out. Same thing with workaholism. You could be so, you could be working 12 hours a week, but the other days you are so preoccupied with what you should be doing in your career, what you're not doing, what you want to be doing, how badly you wish you could be working, right? So it doesn't necessarily mean the amount of hours you spend actually working. It's the preoccupation, the compulsion, the obsession you have with work itself too. And with that, you might hear a partner or a friend be like, you're so obsessed with work, right? So how, many, how often have you been told by others to cut down on work without listening to them? You're like, no way can I pull back. Number five, how often this past year have you become stressed if you haven't been able to work? if you've been prohibited for some reason. I This resonates with me. About two weeks ago, my son had the flu, and then I had the flu. And I ruminated and obsessed about how I needed to cancel all of my sessions so I could be there for my son and be there for myself. I needed to rest. And how pissed I was that I had to cancel those sessions and reschedule them for people. And it wasn't a healthy reaction actually to the point that I went back to work too soon and saw about seven clients in a row on a Friday. And the minute I ended that last session, I lost my voice. So something inside me was like, keep the voice going for these seven therapy sessions you need to be able to talk. The minute I ended that seventh session, I lost my voice and I lost it for four days. So I really put myself backwards had to cancel clients again that following Monday because no one wants to talk to a therapist that can't speak. Um, And I learned a lesson. Like, wow, I went back to work way too soon and now I put myself backwards. So yeah, I was pretty stressed out that I couldn't work because me and my family had the flu. And that's kind of sad. Also, like my clients totally understand, right? They're not going to be mad if I have to cancel a session because I have the flu, but it's my problem. It's my issue. It's my compulsion to work. All right. Number six, how often this past year have you deprioritized hobbies, leisure activities, and exercise because of your work? So are you putting all of these things aside so you can work more? And number seven, How often this past year have you worked so much that it's negatively influenced your health? 
right? You're getting more sick because maybe you're you're losing sleep and your immune system's down or you're so stressed out you're about to have a heart attack because you've taken on too much. So if you've scored a four or a five on at least four of those questions, so the four is often and five is always. So if you said often or always at least to four of those questions, you might be a workaholic. And this is very detrimental for your mental health, your physical health, and all of your relationships, right? So there's things that you can do to help repair this. One, you go to therapy. Two, maybe you work with a coach, right? That's that's the basics. But there's things that you can think about that a therapist would guide you through or you can think about on your own after listening to this podcast today. So you want to kind of understand the underlying cause of your workaholism. Is there a drive for perfectionism? Like, are you a perfectionist and it seeps out of you and you want to be perfect at your job and the work that you do? Is there a need to maintain certain levels of control and you exert that control through work? Do you have a strong desire to be seen and valued as high achieving and really successful? And do you think working is going to make you look that way? Are you avoiding difficult emotions or avoiding some other aspect of your life? There goes to, you know, using the example of you feel like you're not a good mom, so you're better at work, you're a better employee, you're a better business owner, so let me work more. Or I'm avoiding my terrible marriage. Or I'm avoiding my this, my that, my family issues, right? Sometimes work is an avoidance. Do you have beliefs that you're only worthy if you produce to a certain level? And this we can unpack too, and we could probably bring it back to childhood. Did you get a lot of positive reinforcement for studying all of the time and being a robot, being a machine? Wow, look at you. You go to school all day, and then you're on the varsity soccer team, and then you have A pluses, and then on the weekends you're babysitting, and then you're doing this, and then you have a part-time job. And was that was that positive reinforcement internalized? And now you've developed this belief that you have to perform to a certain level to feel worthy or to feel love. Maybe your parents only paid attention to you or positive attention to you when you were producing some type of overachieving outcome. And now you're addicted to that feeling. You're still trying to prove that. Something to think about. Um, So then you need to separate your worth from your work, right? Beliefs drive our behaviors. And our core beliefs are created to a reaction of our life experiences. So our core beliefs are developed through interactions with our families that raise us and the dynamics in our families and the roles we play in our families from the experiences we go through in childhood and adolescence. You know, we develop these core beliefs. Some are really helpful. Some are really hurtful. We have a little bit of both. Unfortunately, our brains are wired to hold on stronger and more tightly to our negative core beliefs. That goes back to evolutionary times and how we needed to think about the worst case scenarios to survive as species. So our brains are wired to hold on to negative because we want to avoid threat. That's a whole nother episode. We want to start to recognize and evaluate the beliefs that we have about working, right? And maybe... Some of it was modeled to us. Maybe you have a parent that was a workaholic. Maybe you had a parent that struggled financially. Maybe the economic position has 
cause this desire to make a certain income and you feel like to make a certain income, you need to work a certain amount. Who knows, right? Maybe you never saw your parents growing up because they were both at work and you thought that was normal or the way to be. There's a lot of modeling that you could unpack, right? But that modeling forms these beliefs that you hold about work. I must work all the time to be successful. If I don't work this much, I will be a failure or I'm not worthy. Whatever these beliefs are, you have to recognize them and begin to challenge them and really separate your worth as a human being from your work or your career and how successful you are. Three, you have to start to set boundaries in your life, right? So if you're an employee, you need to communicate to your boss and colleagues that you're not available during certain times, right? Maybe after your work hours or weekends, make sure they know this. Put this in your away message on your email. Put this on your voicemail. Have it plastered everywhere so you set an expectation to people that you have boundaries and you're not available to work all of the time, right? If you are at home and you do a lot of your work on your phone, maybe you need to hide that phone from yourself during the hours that you want to be present with your family. Maybe you walk in at 5.30 you put the phone in a drawer and then you take it back down. Sorry, you take it back out at eight o'clock when the kids are in bed because you feel good being present with them. Or maybe you and your spouse are on a date night and you agree to leave the phones in the car or you're watching a movie together. You put the phones in another room. Start to set boundaries with things that will trigger you to want to work, right? If you're self-employed, create your own work hours, this is what something I've done from day one when starting my practice and working for myself. I have always said I am working Monday through Thursday, and these are the hours. Now, have I needed to shift these hours? Yes. Life is fluid, and I've shifted my schedule based on the needs of my family and myself. But I've always had quote-unquote work hours that I try to stick to, and I let clients know what they are. Tip number four for overcoming workaholism is find ways to disengage from work. Find something to replace it with. Get a hobby. Take your kids somewhere. You know, maybe you, instead of, you know, Friday when you're home and you want to work all day, but you really don't need to, Friday is the day you do your errands or your chores or your laundry or get a good workout or go to a workout class. Re-engage with people you lost touch with. Join a cooking class. You know, go to the gym. Meet a friend or your spouse for lunch. Join a book club. Like, start to have other interests outside of work that you will benefit from and replace with, just start with an hour a week. Okay, I'm going to work one hour or less a week. And during that hour, I'm going to be home to eat dinner with my family. And then you make that happen every day of the week. And before you know it, five days a week, you're home earlier to have dinner with your family, which was your goal, right? So you want to disengage with something pleasurable that you're looking forward to that's going to feel so much more rewarding than being at work and compulsively working. Tip number five is seek help, right? I think that is so important to get help because you might get stuck with, okay, I I know I'm working too much. I know it feels uncomfortable. I know I need to cut back, but what are the patterns that were taught to me? What are these beliefs that I've formed about my relationship with work? How do I challenge those beliefs? How do I create new beliefs? 
a lot of it is exposure therapy, right? What I do with my clients is I solely expose them to the discomfort of working less and help them learn that nothing bad is going to happen. Actually, a lot of good will happen and they learn to let go, right? We need to make new choices and engage in different behaviors. So our brain can then respond and say, oh, I can work 40 hours a week and not get a bad performance evaluation. I can work 40 hours a week and not lose my income. I can work 40 hours a week and not lose clients. You know, whatever the belief is that you're holding, you and your therapist or coach need to challenge that belief and slowly expose you to a new way of thinking and being that creates a new comfort zone. Get out of the comfort zone of working so much and so compulsively. And we do it in and baby steps, right? You're not going to go overnight from working 60 hours a week to 20, but we're slowly going to reduce it at your comfort level, at your pace, help you re-engage in other parts of your life that are more um, beneficial to you that will make you feel secure in making these personal changes. So I just went on a whole tangent about this. So I told you a little bit about my own story with work and relationship with work. I taught you what a workaholic is and a few ways you can deal with this. So if you're listening, it is possible, I've seen it with my own eyeballs, with my clients, to have a better relationship with your career and become more present as a parent. If you have any questions about anything I said in this episode, please DM me on my Instagram. I'm the one answering my DMs. It's at thoughts from the couch or shoot me an email. I'm Justine at carinocounseling.com. If you're interested in any of the services I provide, head to my website, carinocounseling.com. And if you are a working mom that feels really anxious and overwhelmed because of this work-life balance, you want to check out my online course, The Path to Peace. I created this with the intention to help more people have less anxiety and stress in their life. I've had a wait list since 2020. So there are a lot of people I want to be able to work with, but can't yet. So if you've been listening to my episodes and you want to get a taste of what it's like to work with me and some of the skills I teach for anxiety and stress management, you will find them in the path to peace. And that link will be in the show notes. Everyone have a wonderful day. Find a way to Take time away from work and replace it with some self-care or family time. Don't forget to rate or review this podcast. I want this content out in the world to help more people. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoyed listening to the information shared during this episode. For complimentary anxiety management tools, you can head over to my website, carinocounseling.com. Thank you so much for listening and go enjoy all the moments your day has to offer you.